Welcome to This Is Our Call. I'm Matthew. And I'm Jonathan. So, Matt. You doing okay over there, buddy? I'm tired. I'm what tired. You, what are you tired for? Well, I stayed up watching uh, TV and a Braves game last night, so didn't get a lot of sleep, and then I woke up and... No good excuse. Got it. Somebody showed up at breakfast this morning with our high schoolers, and somebody else bailed. Sorry, I had... After, after confirming last night that he would be there. No, I just confirmed I'd be here for this. No, I said, don't forget about breakfast. And you said, okay, I'll be there. I mean, I ate breakfast this morning. I got got a breakfast. But not with I had to do homework. Isn't homework supposed to be done at home? No, it's not. But then why is it called homework? I don't know. But that's not the point of this episode. We are not diving into the mysteries of uh, why homework is called homework. And how miserable a task it is. And uh, yeah. So we're we're not diving into miserable that. of a task, okay? Yes, but at least even though you bailed on me, I came through for you, and I brought you your pretty little pink drink from Starbucks. It's a refresher, Jonathan, and it's only pink because it has raspberry syrup in it. No, it's it. not raspberry syrup that makes it pink. It's the strawberry refresher. You know, it used to be just a normal cool lime refresher until they got it, until Starbucks got rid of it. Which is a real shame. Are you about to rage on Starbucks right now? It is the only thing I... The refresher is the only thing I actually like at Starbucks. Everything else, with the exception of the egg bites, are just... Eh. That's just because you're a coffee hater. I don't hate coffee. I just think it's disgusting and comes from the armpit of Satan. It, it's just not good. Wow. The armpit of Satan. I've tried. That's, that's, that's some harsh words. What can I say? I speak the truth. You're really sipping your your little what what is that? What is that? That is just a black unsweet iced coffee. So you don't really like coffee either. You like all these variations of coffee that aren't that real is literally straight up coffee. that is literally black coffee with ice in it. And what's the point of that? Coffee's supposed to be hot. Why would you drink coffee it, cold? It's Why either would you? hot or cold. It can be either hot but or cold. Are you t- you cannot tell me that the flavor of that is just oh give me more of that. That stuff's great. Actually, yeah. Whatever. All right, let's get going. In order to make proper iced coffee, you have to brew it at double strength of regular coffee. We all know you're a coffee So snob. then when you put ice in it and it waters it down, it's like I'm put a regular coffee. put a to see how many people care. I don't think many people are going to agree that's the armpit of Satan. Just saying. All There's right. There's a reason coffee shops are like a booming business. <laughs> I just, I can't. I've tried. I have a kid. I have a kid. I was going to say I have kids. I don't have kids yet. I have a kid. <laughs> we tried both coffee. have a kid. Didn't, didn't work. I just can't do it. And it's I'm not okay. alone. For all the for all of you who are out there who don't like coffee either, you're not alone. Matt's there for you. I'm not. All right. Let's get going. So, Jonathan, what are we talking about today? Well, at first we weren't sure. And then we came to a conclusion that we need to talk about how the heck we got here. And kinda, I think this is a good follow-up, too, to the last podcast, kind of thinking about it. Yeah. You know, we talked about seminary and coming to seminary and now it's how the heck did we get here and what caused us to go down this path and just in general i think our our goal is to really talk about a calling and what what that is and not necessarily just specifically to those that are called to ministry but just in general as christians what are we called to so matt how did you get here besides throwing your mattress on the back of my you haul to drive it down here for you. That's not what happened at all. 
It's exactly what happened. I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going to take the bait and go down the hole, and I don't think I am this time. That's fine. You don't I'm, have to. I'm just saying that that's not how it happened at all. That's that's your twisted version of. Your I was going to say the truth, but it's not the truth. So your mattress was on my U-Haul. But, on the but back of it. I'm not not taking the bait. So how how did we get here? How did I get here? I don't know if I understand all the events that uh, got me to where I am right now entirely, but I, I think I would say that the intent, really since I was 13, I think, I knew the Lord was calling me to some type of ministry. I didn't necessarily know entirely what that was, and we would coin that, at least in the evangelical world, I think we most people would say that's a calling. You have been called to do the work of ministry, right? So when you say that you knew that you're called to some sort of ministry, what do you mean by called? Like you got a telephone call and picked it up and answered and said, hey, you're going to do this? Or was it just this audible voice that came over and said, Matt, you're going to be in ministry? Or is it just this fuzzy feeling you had in your stomach? I feel like calling can be kind of confusing to some people. I mean, I got a phone call, you know, I picked up, answered, said yes. So, uh, no, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't quite like that. I, I think it was more of a series of events, right? So, uh, so the Lord, the Holy Spirit impressing upon me a desire for the work of ministry, confirmations by peers in the church that this was indeed manifested in me and the gifts that the Spirit had given me, and then just walking and doing life, the Christian life, the Lord directing and closing and opening certain doors that have kind of pushed me and led me and directed me here in a combination with prayer as well. So a lot of prayer. God, what is it that you have me to, what, what is it that you want me to do? And I think that uh, that is, that's an important question. I think that, look, the, the Bible is not a book where if I ask the question, who should I marry? Right? The Bible's not going to say, marry Anna. That, that is what you need to do. I didn't marry Anna. I married Julie. We're talking about, you asked me oh, the we're question. we're talking about you. Okay. You asked me the question, so I'm, I'm trying to answer, okay. right? I mean, uh, you looked at me and asked me, the, who am I going to marry? And you said Anna. The Bible is not going to tell you who to choose your, you know, as friends. Clearly, I chose poorly. So you chose wisely. <laughs> Clearly, I chose poorly. So... It's just not going to give you those types of answers. What the Bible is going to tell you is how to love, serve, and worship God, right? What is life all about and the boundaries that God has set and what that looks like and how we're to operate in those things and relate to God. And so in that, God has called you and I and really everyone to serve, love, and worship Him. And how that is expressed in each one of our lives is going to look a little differently and I think calling has become a little confusing because there's a lot of different types of calls, right? So there is a call to the gospel, a call to repentance, a call to believe in faith in Christ and Jesus. So you've got that type of call. Which call are we talking about today? So when we say that you had a calling on your life, which kind of calling are we kind of referring to today? So I think specifically we're, I want to talk about the idea of the vocational call. So what vocation, what are you doing? What is your profession, right? The call to vocational ministry and what that means and what that looks like. And I think that's, that is relevant, I think, really specifically for, for everyone, but for you and I, because we found ourselves in a situation where we feel called of the Lord. We feel like the Lord has directed us to a quote-unquote vocational ministry, some type of, I'm going to serve the church in the, the function of a pastor or, or some type of role like that, specifically, whereas someone else may be 
I, I don't know, you, any other profession doing that and, and doing something different than serving, teaching, and equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. That's, I think we want to talk about that, but more granular how that has been misconstrued maybe a little bit today, I think, right? So when when we think about calling, well, I'm not called to do ministry, so I'm excluded from some of those types of obligations. I don't have to talk about Jesus. It's not my responsibility. It's not, you know, fill in the blank. So we're talking about the calling on your life, meaning where has God called you vocationally? So it doesn't necessarily have to be in ministry. It can be anything in the secular world, whether you're in business or whatnot. But it would also be the calling that God has put on all Christians' lives to spread the gospel, correct? Yes, and I think that there is a, a tendency right now to blur those lines a little bit, and that's a real shame because since the Reform- Reformation, right, so Martin Luther, there is a, right before Martin Luther, there is the tendency in the church to really divide clergy and layperson. And while there is a distinction in the sense that um, God has called one to equip and serve the body and the other to... I guess you'd call it more of a worldly type profession, there is no less honor in either. And so when we talk about calling, really in my mind, it's any, and really what I think the Bible teaches us is that it's a opportunity to express Christian obedience to the glory of God. And that should be displayed in whatever, whatever profession that we're in. If it just so happens that if it's in ministry, it's a little more overt maybe, is the way I'd put it right? It's well, I think it's more, I think people see it more, it's more pronounced within the ministry because you're when you see someone that has dedicated their lives to to the ministry, whether that's overseas on being on, on the mission field, whether that's here locally being a pastor, youth pastor, you know, associate pastor, whatever that may be, that you're seeing those people, they are making a profession out of it and dedicating their whole lives to it. And so it's more pronounced in that fashion that you see wow, that person really has committed their life to God and they're answering their quote-unquote calling. I think where the line becomes blurred sometimes is people don't realize that that they're, they're calling on their life to be a school teacher, to be an, uh, an underwriter for mortgages at a bank, that those are also important callings and that God will use you in those. God has equipped you to do that job and in so equipping you, he's also equipped you to reach those people. And I think that so many times we blur the line and say, well, I'm not allowed to talk about Jesus at work. And so we just use that as an excuse to not. When in reality, no, God has used you, has put you in that place to be a light in the dark. I don't know if I'd use the word they're not allowed to. I mean, maybe some professions that are more strict than others, right, in regards to what's talked it's about in the workplace. Upon. I think it's a. It can be used as an excuse, right? So it's not my responsibility. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's not my job to do this. Yeah, right? people people don't share for the fear of I'm going to lose my job, rather than understanding that God has called you to greater things than to just have this job. I mean, Julie's gone through the same thing as a teacher. Like it's very frowned upon for a teacher to share her religious beliefs with her students, and you know she's gotten worried sometimes that she's going to get backlash for telling telling a kid about Jesus, but then if it comes to it and you get fired because you told some little kid about Jesus, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be, like, I'll be I'll be upset with with the school and the state for, for proceeding with that, but 
I'm not going to be mad at her for what some people would see as bad judgment. So what I'm saying is, is that it may be frowned upon in your in your work environment to share the gospel and to talk to people about Jesus, but it's also being smart about it. It's not just you know being overly in your face, just scolding people about Jesus rather than living life with those people and slipping in and being able to tell them about your life in turn. So you're not advising people to just beat people over the head with a Bible? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, I would I would advise against that. I tried it, that it, once when I was... It tends to not work. So funny story. I tried that once when I was a kid. I remember this story. This is when you tried to baptize your neighbor. Yeah. So oh, this is a good one. We were... I have no idea how old. I must have been under 10. I, I don't know. I just... I wanted to be a preacher even then, right? At a certain level. I, I thought it was really cool. And our one of our neighbors was not, one of the kids was not, didn't know Jesus. And at the time, remember, I was a kid. And I just knew that you're baptized. There was some type of, there's something in baptism that meant something. And so I thought, well, this, this kid doesn't know Jesus. If I baptize him, maybe he'll know Jesus. <laughs> I'm so glad your theology is better now. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot better now. So... We had this little, not a kiddie pool, but, you know, one of the, you know, the slightly bigger blow up pools. pools in the back. And he was a little scrawnier than I was. And so I forced him under and baptized him. We didn't talk a whole lot after that. No, but <laughs> you got to tell everyone what he did after you baptized him. It was a little freaky, right? It so was I mean, pretty, It was it, pretty fun. It's funny looking back. It's sad, but it's it, funny. It's sad. Look, it, so he, he got up out of the water, like shrieking, screaming, like Satan come back to me and like, Ran off, no shirt, just a bathing suit, barefoot, through the backyard, you know, over the fence, and then back over to his house. And everyone, and Matt, you wonder why you didn't have friends growing up. Could you try to drown them all? I have no idea. No idea. But anyway, I mean, you know, I just... So we yeah. would not recommend, aren't like, wrestling your friends and throwing them in a pool and dunking them and saying, you are baptized. No, I don't know. If Do that... you know what that's from? No. First person to comment on what movie that's from might might get a prize. What's what's the prize? I don't know. All right, challenge on. I have no idea. Matt will buy you lunch. That that's the prize. <laughs> yeah, okay. Matt's gonna buy you lunch. So basically, what we're saying is that you just need to be very wise. As wise serpents. Wise as serpents. In in approaching people with the gospel, not in a timid way, but in a way that you can be non-aggressive because we don't need to be aggressive with the gospel. God does, God does the work. And if we really believe that God is, is in control of salvation, then it's, it's us just being obedient to tell people about Christ and he will call them to him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, look, Jesus says, look, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and to the Gentiles. So I just think that as we approach sharing the gospel, that we need to be intentional. If possible, it should always be relational. Uh, it should be full of grace and love and uh, a wanting for people to come to know this Jesus who you love so much and what he's done for you. And I just think when we talk about calling, I've just heard so much, well, I'm not called to do this. I'm not called to tell people about Jesus or I'm not 
called to understand the Bible. I'm not, yes, you are. You're called to all those things. You are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? I mean, you're called to these things. You're called to the work of ministry. The only separation between the minister and the layperson is that the minister has a special call to help and aid to equip you to grow you spiritually so you can do the work of ministry. What's funny is everyone thinks that the pastor is the one that's going to do the saving at the church, when in reality the pastor's job is to equip the saints so that they can go out and affect their workplace. Because he, here's here's the truth that Well, that when people, we talk about theology, I mean, no one's doing the saving except for God, John. Yeah, exactly. Right? But here, here's the thing is people don't realize, but you have more access to lost people than your pastor does. On a day-to-day basis, statistically speaking, you are going to come in contact with more unsaved people than a pastor at a church because the pastor is going to be spending time with the other pastors of the church if it's a larger church. He's going to be spending time with the members of the church, ministering to them when, you know, there's a t- I mean, I remember when I interned at a church one summer, I mean, we spent two days a week visiting people at the hospital. It was an older church, but like we would, we'd spend two days going to the hospital visiting people or, or people that were sick at home and having to do all that. So that was just ministering to the peop to the, the flock that that's been given to you. And he didn't spend a lot of time being like, he didn't have the ability to have that big blocks of time to go out into the, you know, the public and just minister to people there. It was, he was equipping his people to go out and minister to people while they were at their jobs that were outside of the church. I concur. You concur. I concur. So when when I look back and trying to, I guess, look at the calling on my life and see when it happened, it's it's kind of a funny it's kind of a funny thing for me because I I feel like innately like I always under realize that God had something for me, some calling or some I didn't know what it was when I was in middle school. I I kind of was avoiding it. It wasn't until my sophomore year of high school when I was on a mission trip and I was in Brazil and Matt and I were preparing a lesson for, for the group and we were reading in Luke 9 and it starting in verse 57 it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for me, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to my, to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that just rocked my world when, when we were looking at it and studying it for our lesson. And it just, in that moment, I knew that God had called me somewhere and that for so long he had been calling me. And I said, yeah, I'm going to follow you, God. And then I turn around and walk away and do my own thing. Yeah, I know you saved me, God. And then I turn around and do my own thing. And even after this, I think I had a moment of, I want to do my own thing. Like, I want to I want to live my life. And so I, I kind of turned around. But God being as gracious as he is, um, kicked my butt back into line where I was supposed to be. 
And, you know, over 10 years later, here I am. Still not in full-time, quote-unquote, ministry, but I feel like I'm where God has me and doing what God's called me to do. So Paul in Philippians one twenty seven he says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit and of one mind. And I, and I think the idea of to let your life be worthy of the gospel, you were bought with a price, right? Your life is not your own any longer. Let your life be worthy of the price that was paid. And I, I think we see this play itself out in Hollywood all the time. And because I just went to Universal, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make Harry Potter the example here, right? So why would you make Harry Potter the example? Hold on, I'm getting there, right? The the point I'm trying to draw, the illustration I'm trying to draw is, you get to the end of the series. If you hadn't seen it, sorry, spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, Harry realizes he's got to sacrifice himself for his friends and family and other people in order to save them. And there's a, a weight to that, right? There's a there, there's there's something there, uh, and I think I think you see this in other movies. This happens. Armageddon. There's another one just pops in my head, right? Uh, we could go on and on, movie after movie. Lord of the Rings is another one, um, and, and so I just think there's a weight to be had there. That look, look, someone has given their life so that you can have life. Let your manner of life be worthy of what has been sacrificed and given here. And I, I think one of the things you mentioned in your story there is really important that the Lord called you to follow hard after him. And you didn't know entirely what that meant or what that looked like. And I think really what we're just trying to encourage and impress upon everyone is, look, this, this, this division between minister of the gospel and layperson, minister in the church and layperson, is a small distinction. The distinction is, God has specifically called me to serve the body of the church in the function of equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. Now, there are qualifications that are stipulated around that, right, that are laid out in the Bible and what that looks like. But beyond that, that's it. There is, there is no significant difference. There is no less honor in the person that gets up and drives the truck and the person that gets up on Sunday morning and preaches the gospel from the pulpit. God has called you to different tasks, and that's that's it. And I, I just think that's an important distinction for us to draw. And I thought maybe it'd be a good one, uh, especially after we talked just some about seminary. And is there a difference here? Is there more value in the person that's called to ministry versus the person that is called to sit at a desk all day? Yeah, I think I think it's just important to know that you have the ability to complete the calling that God has given you. And that calling is simply to go and tell people about Jesus and to spread the gospel. Hence, why we named our whole website, This This Is Our Call. call. It's just simply, we are all called to the same thing, and that is to be obedient. And that's what we want to encourage our our listeners to do, is to be obedient in, in the position, in the place in which God has you right now, because you don't know what kind of effect you can have on people, even in the most simple of places that you are, so that those people may know. So Matt, where can um, where can everyone find us? We're everywhere. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Th- We're not omnipresent here. I was getting ready to just say that, and you just stole my thunder. I'm sorry. Can't believe you did that to me. Yes, we are. We're everywhere. That's just how well we know each other. Yeah, we're we're everywhere. We're on every major platform. I won't list them out because for some reason Jonathan gets really annoyed when I do that. 
But, all you have to just say we're on all major podcasting platforms. I know, but it, when They're I talk to other people, obviously listening to us on a podcasting platform right now of some kind. But when I meet people and they're like, well, where's your podcast at? I'm like, well, it's on all major platforms. They're like, well, okay, like me, what? And I'm like, let me rephrase. We are not on Apple Music. We're on Apple Podcast, just to clarify. That's that's Apple's fault. Well, no, that that's for a special someone that didn't know the difference. Anyways, where can they find us on social media? Twitter, Instagram. Maybe Facebook one day, but those two just for now. Twitter and Instagram. We have a Facebook page. It's just not very good. No, it's we just haven't had a lot of time, have we? Sorry. Yeah, I'm blaming that one on you. Yeah, yeah. Twitter, Instagram. Find us on the web. We got a mailbag online. This is our call dot org forward slash podcast. Drop us a line. Who knows? Maybe your question will end up in an episode. It Never could. know. All right, guys. Uh, till the whole world knows. This is our call.